It is great to be here, and it's an honor with what we're going to do with Nick and with Tim today. Uh, we're going to do that at the end of the service, but I want to share in regard to that. And uh, the only difference between ordination and licensing is through House of Bread Ministry, which is what I'm representing here to be able to do that. You have to be licensed before you can be ordained. That simply is we want a little proof of the pudding. Uh, and by the way, we're not doing anything today that's going to start something. We're confirming something that's already happened. We're confirming what's been happening in Nick. We're confirming what's happened with him. Uh, we're not laying hands on so something will happen. We're saying something has happened, so we're laying hands on to endorse and to agree with Holy Spirit and to further that. And so God is furthering a number of things. You know, uh, I, I prophetically, I just hear God speaking this morning. Uh, don't be afraid. There's no reason to hide. There's no reason to hide from me. I'm stripping away the things that you would seek to hide in. I'm stripping them away from the things that you would hide in. And I'm causing you to be sure-footed as I am sure-footed. Because I am love and I want you to know my love. And so this is not a day to hide under the fig leaves of religion. It's not a day to hide under the pretenses. Because I authentically love you. And I'm calling you to be you. And so you're going to know you will be called the sure-footed ones. The ones that don't easily stumble. The ones that overcome. Not because of your strength in the flesh, but because of your strength because of my love. I'm stripping away the branches of the past and reveal things that are planted now and new. Even in your life and in the life of the church, this church and the body of Christ. God says, I am causing things to be birthed, to be planted, that not only grow, but they overcome in all things. So this is a season where you'll be known as the sure-footed ones. You'll be known as the planted ones. Because you know I am the sure-footed one. Yes. And I am the one who plants. I'm the one who establishes. And so I'm bringing forth my grace for that in this season and in this time, says God. I hear God saying specifically, Bryce, to you that he said, because you have been a son of encouragement, I am causing the courage of my spirit to rise in all of that which you are joined to. And I'm going to cause that to be in Instead of just an encourager, you're going to be an encourager. That you're going to plant, as you have been planting, the courage of me. There are going to be many overcomers that are going to rise up. Uh, not just being free from the things of the world, but being free from the things that stifle and hinder people from growing in Christ. Because God says this is a new season of liberty. It's a new season of freedom. And so be encouraged. God says, I've looked and I've seen that you are a son of encouragement. And because of that, the seeds of encouragement are now going to cause courage to be in. And there'll be much in courage. And that courage is the sound of the lion. It's the sound of praise. Many testimonies are coming forth in this body. Many testimonies of my praise, says God. Or it's my praise that knocks the teeth of the enemy out. It's my praise that silences the foe. But it's not a strength of victory of human will is the strength of victory of my will. Yes. And you'll be like little children. You'll be like little children. Or I've ordained praise to come from the mouths of little children. And as little children, you'll know my testimony is I love my family. And so that sound is coming forth in this place and there's going to be many, many testimonies. Many, many testimonies. Our sister who shared today, blessings to you. I call it that provision will be made for you. That there'll be an open door for housing, an open door for further healing. You did a good thing today, and God is going to prove that he's doing a good thing on your behalf. So this is a, a new season and a new time for you. And for your son, God says, you're not hindered. You're not hindered at all. Because, uh, come on, he's, he's, he's ready. Come on. You're not hindered at all because, come on, yeah, we'll do that. 
Father, do this. Do this. Do this. Provide for her. Open the door. Open the door, God, for provision. Open the door for housing. Open the door for her son. Father, cause this household to be a marked testimony of your grace. Thank you that mercy has justified life and that grace is empowering that life right now. So we call this to be a sign and a wonder in this valley. All right. Can I just make a comment? Yeah. Anybody notice I just went up here without my walker? I noticed that. I did yeah, notice that. I did notice that. That's I needed right. to get to you. Yeah, very good. You did a good job. Okay, so we are going to be, I'm going to be at the end of the service, Pastor Bryce and I and others here, we're going to anoint Tim and Nick, and we're ordaining Tim. We licensed Tim a while back. COVID hit, and so it may be a little delay, but... All we're saying is what we said is true. Tim is Tim. And, and the grace of God on Tim allows us all to be who we are in a greater way. And so we're confirming and we're acknowledging that today. And we're also going to lay hands on Nick. And we're saying the grace that's on Nick is enhancing us all. And so in light of that, I want to teach this morning on the anointing. And I'm talking to Tim and Nick, but I'm talking to all of us. What is our role? What is God doing with us? Uh, what is God's grace for us in this time? Now, the anointing is not what gives you authority. Authority is what authorizes anointing. Yeah, come on. That's right. Most men are anointed to have children. Most men they need to learn to keep their zippers up on their anointing. <laughs> until they're appointed to have children and there'd be less dysfunctional families on yeah, planet Earth. Yeah. Wow. Come on. And there are many anointed people in the body of Christ who probably need to keep their zipper up on their anointing until there's an appointing. And then there can be functional families that are birthed. That's so, right. Come on. And you'll freebie there. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the anointing that qualifies you. It's God's appointing that qualifies the anointing. King David was anointed to be king when he was a shepherd. You know what that made him? A shepherd with the anointing of a king. One day he delivered some cheeses to the front line where his brothers were in the battlefield. Uh, so he got promoted from being a shepherd to a cheese delivery. Worked for um, the CDS, Cheese Delivery Service. It's kind of like UPS or DHL, CDS, Cheese Delivery Service. And uh, he delivered those cheeses, and you know what the anointing on his life was? He had a kingly anointing, but he was a cheese deliverer. Right. And then he heard a giant defying God and, and the people of God, and he got permission to take that giant out. And so he was a giant slayer, but you know what his anointing was? It was a king, but you know what he was? A giant slayer. And then he served in Saul's house, and he appeased the demons that harassed Saul. He worshipped God in Saul's house. He served there. And he did it with the anointing of a king, but he did it with the authority of someone who served in Saul's house. And then when Saul misunderstood him and Saul was jealous and Saul tried to kill him, he walked in honor to the one that despised him and didn't dishonor the king. He did it with a kingly anointing, but he had the authority of someone who would not be killed by the javelin and be careful not to dishonor the king. And then one day he was appointed as king. And he was ready because he had the anointing of a king. So when we're talking about anointing, anointing is not qualifies us to be who we are. It's appointing in the seasons of our lives that give the anointing a greater grace, a greater expression. So let's talk about the anointing. Isaiah 61 is a, is a great chapter. I'm going to give this to Tim and to, to Nick, and I'm giving this to us. And I've, I've taught on this here before a little bit. But in Isaiah 61, speaking of Jesus Christ, the head and the body, and Jesus Christ, Christ's body, us, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console or to appoint those in Zion to be given beauty for ashes. Actually, in the Hebrew, it isn't a double mourning there. It says console those who mourn in Zion. It's actually that word to, to, to console 
is a Hebrew means to appoint, to appoint those who are mourning in Zion to have beauty instead of ashes. So he, can, he comforts those who mourn, but then he appoints those who are mourning in Zion to put on beauty instead of ashes and to have the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, so that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and he may be glorified. So the purpose of that anointing is so that there will be people who are planted and they'll be called trees of righteousness. Trees in the scripture is a biblical term for humanity in a generational DNA. So we're like trees planted by a river. That means our days will be long. Our days will not just be us. It will be our children and our children's children. So when God talks about humanity in, the, in a generational way, he uses trees. And those who are planted by the river, it isn't that we, we just live long, it's that we live generationally. A tree, will the days of those in the Lord will be as the days of a tree. That doesn't mean that you're just going to go back and get 900 some years old like they used to be. It means that your life isn't going to end with you. It's going to carry on with your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters when you're planted in relationship with God. So God wants people to be generationally. God wants people to be planted in a relationship with God so that their children and their children's children will be a testimony of the life of God. That's what God wants. So the anointing serves that purpose. The anointing serves to plant people in relationship with God for the sake of their children, their children's children, knowing God. There's another verse beyond that that says more. We'll get to it in a second. But let's just talk about this anointing a moment because this anointing, today we're talking about the anointing that is on Tim, the anointing that's on Nick, but also the anointing that's on all of us. And what does that? It has many diverse expressions. We can clearly say the anointing on Tim is going to draw us into the intimate presence of God. The anointing on Nick is going to release us into the power and the demonstration of God's love in a powerful way. So there's two different expressions. Two different expressions of God's love, but that anointing is going to serve to make people connect to God, be in a right relationship with God, know their love, know that God their Father desires them. And they're planted in a relationship with him. And so that they have this confidence that they and their children and their children's children are going to be loved by God. And in the areas of their flaws and their weaknesses, God will come to those places. God will visit their house. That's really good news. I'm so glad that in the areas of my flaws, my father God comes to my house to heal my weaknesses. He never shames me. He never condemns me. It was my disconnection from God that shamed me. It was my disconnection from God that condemned me. God never condemned me. God never shamed me. It was my disconnection that shamed me. He said, come to me. So the anointing is so that people can come to him and be connected to him and be planted. Now, let's look at some things that are in the anointing because it says we are anointed for good news. That means you're not anointed for bad news. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So, Tim and Nick, you're anointed for good news as one who has, is, a, is, a, is a minister of the good news of Jesus Christ. Body of Christ, everyone's church and visitors, whoever's here, you're anointed for good news. You're not anointed for bad news. So, when you get in conversations of bad news, you have no anointing for that. That's right. You suck at bad news. That's right. So leave bad news alone and stick to the anointing. Yeah. You're anointed to bring good news to the destitute. You're not anointed to promote the destitute. You're not anointed right. to promote poverty. You're anointed to bring good news, God, no matter what that poverty is, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, you're not anointed. The world gets in conversations of bad news. True. If you haven't figured it out yet, news in the world is about bad news. <laughs> it's not that there's more bad news, it's just they've gotten really good at communicating. They've gotten really good at communicating bad news. We should be really good at communicating. What? Good news. We should be really good at communicating good news. Okay? Because we have an anointing to proclaim good news, to preach good news. Okay? We're anointed to heal broken hearts. 
to heal the brokenhearted. We have an anointing to heal the broken hearts. We do not have an anointing to break hearts. That's right. Okay? So Tim, Nick, you don't have an anointing to break any hearts. Body of Christ, we have no anointing to break any hearts. We have an anointing to heal broken hearts, but we don't have an anointing to break hearts. So if the actions of our lives in the temptations of the enemy, if we're tempted to break someone's heart because they're breaking our heart, we know we need to know we have an anointing to heal broken hearts. That's right. So don't try to defend yourself by breaking a heart that's breaking your heart. Heal the heart, <laughs> and your own heart will be healed. You have an anointing to heal broken hearts. You're anointed to proclaim liberty to captives, but you're not anointed to make captives. Now, captives are someone that is taken and put into prison. They're captured. They're taken captive. They were they were conquered. A captive is someone who was conquered. So we don't have an anointing to make captives out of people. We have an anointing to free captives. Okay. So that's the anointing of the body of Christ. We're anointed for good news. We're anointed to heal hearts. We're anointed to free captives. Okay? And then we're also anointed to open prison doors. Now, the difference between a captive and a prisoner, a captive would be someone that uh, a robber raided your house, kidnapped you, and imprisoned you in some dark cellar somewhere. That means you're a captive. A prison prisoner is you did something wrong. You got caught, and the consequence was you went to jail. Now, you don't have an anointing to free prisoners. You have an anointing to open prison doors. Now listen to me. You don't have an anointing to empower prisoners or entitle prisoners. You have an anointing to open the door so that they can find the grace of heaven to walk out and not return to prison. Amen. That's good. Good That's really good. Had the man on the cross lived instead of going to heaven, as he did, the man who said to his friend, shut up, we deserve this. He doesn't. Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That guy, if he had lived, he would have needed to find the grace of an open prison door. That's right. Why? He was a prisoner. He wasn't a captive. He was a prisoner. He was being crucified because of a crime that he did. Yes. Jesus was being crucified because they were trying to make him a captive. But, but the, the thief on the cross, he was being killed for being a thief. If he had lived, he would have needed to find the empowerment to not be a thief anymore. So you have an anointing to open the door so that people can find the grace to overcome. And not be imprisoned again. To be free from their addiction. To be free from their... Some people are... In some areas of our life, we're captives. Other areas of our life, we're prisoners. There's an anointing for both. So don't try to put the anointing of freeing captives upon someone who's a prisoner. Or what you'll do is you'll apply human empathy where God wants to bring divine overcoming power. Okay, so you have an anointing to open prison doors. Okay, and then we'll explain a little bit more on that in a moment, but and then you have an anointing to proclaim the acceptable year. That's to proclaim jubilee. Jubilee is where inheritances are restored, names are restored. You, you have an anointing to free people from, from being disinherited. Yeah. They got sold. They, they, their family land right. got sold. They, they couldn't pay their debts, so they became slaves. They lost their inheritance. You have an anointing on you to restore them into their inheritance. Yeah. That's called jubilee. That's right. The next line says you have an anointing to proclaim the vengeance of the Lord. That's actually kick butt the enemy. You know that you have an anointing to destroy the enemy, not destroy people, but to destroy the enemy. Victory over the enemy. So you don't have an anointing to bring defeat. You don't have an anointing to become an enemy. You have an anointing to have victory over every enemy. You're anointed to comfort those who mourn. You're not anointed to cause sorrow. Amen. You're anointed to comfort those who mourn. 
speaking this to Tim, Nick, and all of us. Okay, this is what the anointing is. Uh, we're anointed also to uh, to give beauty for ashes. We're not anointed to put ashes on people. Shame on you. No, we're anointed to give beauty. Now, what beauty? Your beauty. I like to say it this way. Jesus, Jesus came to me 49 years ago, and, and he said to Ted, Ted, I found your beauty. You, you traded it for ashes. Would you let me have those ashes? I'll give you your beauty back. Yeah? You, 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 traded, you traded who you are for who you are not. But I found who you are. Would you put this back on, please? I'm giving you back your beauty. So you're anointed to restore beauty. You're anointed for joy, not for mourning. You're anointed for praise. You're not anointed to make things heavy. And so that anointing is so that we will be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Then, in verse 4, it says three things will happen as the result. So as a result of today we're going to further acknowledge Tim as ordained as a minister, we're all ministers, but we're saying that Tim is, is a minister for the sake of us all rising to another level of all of us being ministers. Yeah. You know, there's not some who are priests and some who are kings. Everybody's a priest king. Yes. There's not some who are kings and then others are priests. Everybody's a priest. Everybody's a king. Yes. That means you have to be connected to heaven and then you have to bring heaven into your world. Priests are connected to heaven. Kings bring heaven into their world. So you are a king. You are a lord. Just don't be a king like the kings of the world. Don't be a lord like the lords of the world. See, the kings of the world are takers. Lords of the world are takers. But our king is a giver. Our lord is a servant. So in the areas that you're responsible, bring life to it. Okay? We like to we blame God for stuff that he should not be blamed for. And we pull this one, well, you know, God is in control. <laughs> Sorry, I don't find that in the Bible. I find that God is in charge. But I find in the Bible I'm in control. If my marriage fails, it wasn't a sovereign God's fault. It was a sovereign me's fault. It was my wife and I didn't get intimate with the one in charge. God owns everything. See? It's like a, you work for the local dealership. You can determine the reputation of that dealership, how you represent it, because you're in control of your day. But you got to get intimate with the one who's in charge, the one who owns it, yeah, that's right. so that what you're control of doesn't misrepresent the one who's really in charge. That's right. Yes. Really good. So, yeah, our world will change when we start reigning in life. Yeah. And how do we reign in life? We reign in life because he's the center of everything in our life. As Pastor Bryce said, it's more of him through us. It's, it's, we are the body of Christ, members of Christ, exhibiting the testimony of the name of Jesus and all that we are and do. So the name of Jesus shouldn't just be in our preaching. The name of Jesus should be in how we work in the workplace. Do we do a good job? Can we be trusted? Do we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? Do we exhibit the charisma of the Spirit? Uh, when your friend gets hurt, can you lay hands and see healing happen? You should. It says, we lay hands on the sick, they recover. Now, we have leaders who set an example of that. It says, when we have someone who's sick, we go to the elders or we go to the leaders. We, they pray the prayer of faith and they're healed. We know everybody should know how to pray the prayer of faith. But I can count on it that if I appoint a leader, I'm appointing them because they know how to pray the prayer of faith. As an example, so that everyone can learn how to pray the prayer of faith. If you're sick and you're waiting for the elders to pray for you, what happens when you're on a desert island and there aren't any elders present? Just you and your friend. Lay hands on the sick and, and they recover. Whose hands? Our hands. You got two of those? Even if you don't have hands, lay your feet. Your elbows. Top of your head. Whatever expression works for you to say, there's something in me 
Something coming off of me that's the life of Christ that brings life to my world. Okay, so now there's three things that those who are planted reveal. They rebuild the old ruins, verse 4. They raise up former desolations and they repair ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So, Tim, Dick, all of us, we have an anointing on us so that people are planted in a relationship with God as their Father, Jesus Christ the Son, by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, so that in their lives, their old ruins will be rebuilt, their desolations will be restored, and their ruined cities, their ruined relationships, <laughs> their ruined purpose will be restored. So this is speaking of identity, testimony, and purpose. As Bryce said, we don't find our identity in ourselves. We find our identity in Christ. When we're planted in relationship with God, what happens is we're rebuilt. Our identity is restored. Yes. We're, we're released to be a testimony. What was desolate now becomes a testimony. Our testimony is part of his inheritance. We're a testimony of God. We're part of revealing who he is and then revealing what he does. And then we're also part of a partnership with him and with the body of Christ to fulfill purpose. Purpose in God is never individual. It's always corporate. So God is a trinity. God is one, but he's three. In human terms, God could be three. But in God terms, it's impossible for him to be three because he doesn't do love. He is love. And what makes him one God is love. The Father can't live without the Son, and the Son can't live without the Father. And the Son can't live without the Spirit. The Spirit can't live without the Father. The Spirit can't live without the Son. The Father can't live without the Spirit because love. God doesn't do relationship. He is relationship. And that's the testimony that he wants us to have in the likeness and the image of God. We are relationship. Amen. It's not something we do. It's something we are. That just might help us overcome some offenses. If we realize it's not something we do, it's something we are. Amen. So God wants us planted so that we will be restored in our identity, our testimony, and our purpose for the glory of God. And that purpose is a multi-generational purpose. Yes. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 31, we're going to talk about this anointing again. Tim, Nick. All of us, the anointing that's on us is this anointing frees people so that they can be planted as free people, planted as evergreen trees, planted as no matter what kind of tree they are. Isaiah 41 talks about seven kinds of trees. They're all evergreens. Revelation 6 refers to those as seven kinds of men, what classify all men. Some are kings, some are servants. It's not better to be a king than it is to be a servant. How many of you know you need more servants than kings? But you need some kings also. It's not better to be a king. It's not a hierarchy. It's different different trees. But every class of tree is evergreen in Isaiah 41. And the water of heaven comes and causes them to come alive. And they're generationally planted. And they're, they're fulfilling this purpose as we've been talking, the anointing is on us for that purpose of being planted in relationship with God so that each member has their identity in Christ, their testimony of Christ, and their purpose in Christ, so that corporately all the little members make a body that reveals the identity of a body, the testimony of, whoa, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, whoa, look at this, look at this, look at this, and the purpose of partnership and fulfilling and bringing God's glory to the earth. Yeah, it's all good stuff. Amen. Now, in the Old Covenant, the anointing was different than in the New Covenant. That's right. 
Why? Because God said so? No, because man said so. See, in the beginning, man took a vote and said, God, I don't need you. I need to be smart. In the garden, God put man in the garden. There were all kinds of trees. It says all the trees were pleasing to the eye. All the trees were good for food. It says that all the trees were pleasing to the eye. They all looked good. It said all the trees were pleasing to eat. They were good food. But there was one tree that was not only pleasing to the eyes and good for food. It made you smart. And God said, don't eat that tree. You'll die if you eat it. Why? Because when you're smart, you can be disconnected from God. I think I told you the last time I was down that God had spoken to me this year was a year of peace. And I said, if God says something to you and you know something about what he said, take the position you don't know anything. Because if you don't, you'll be God's teacher. <laughs> And that won't work well. So when God says something to you and you know a lot about it, it means you don't know anything about it. Or he wouldn't be talking to you about it. Not that what you know is bad, it's just that what you know won't get you to where you need to go. So he wants you to know something different. So let him be your teacher and not you be his teacher. And... Uh, and don't take the Bible and try to teach God. Let God teach you with the Bible. <laughs> That'll work out better also. <laughs> okay, so Jeremiah chapter 31. This is the new covenant that God said. See, the, the old administration was a knowledge of good and evil. Man's choice. I need knowledge. I need enough information of good, enough information of bad, so that I can make good decisions. Be a good person, live a good life. God doesn't want you to make good decisions, be a good person, live a good life. That's not what he wants. He wants you to be a God person, do God things, and change the world. That's right. See, God doesn't need anything. He's a giver. He gives life, he gives breath, he gives all things. His picture-perfect world is a world that's formless, void, and dark. That's his favorite place. I've been intrigued by... Space discoveries yeah. this year. I've been intrigued by all the satellites that can view so far away, and uh, and as they keep bringing in the pictures from the satellites, you know the telescopes that are out yeah. there. And of course, the Mars rover has been up in the last year, and all the pictures keep showing nothing, but lots of nothing. Another planet, another planet, another star, one that's seven hundred times bigger than the sun. You know, like there's that one, there's that one, but they're all a bunch of nothing. And God said to me, oh, the possibilities are limitless, son. Wow, that's right. Yeah. I can do anything with nothing. Yeah. It's something that resists me. <laughs> but, man, the future is limitless. Look at all the vast, yeah. formless, void, dark places that could be anything God wants them to be. Yeah. Put that in the scope of eternity. Do I know what that's about? No. None of my business yet. I'm not there. But someday it will be. And I know that God, my Father, the future is limitless. But how about in my life? I should get really excited when I find a dark, formless void, a formless void and dark place in my life. Wow, awesome. I should get excited when I come to a place where I don't know what to do. Oh, awesome. I don't know. Oh, awesome. Wow, now God can. Wow. That's a good point. I don't understand. Whoa, fantastic. God can now. I don't know what to do. Whoa, awesome. Now God can. See, the possibilities, <laughs> the possibilities are limitless when you realize your world is not determined by your world, it's determined by your God. Yes, that's right. Your world doesn't determine him. Creation doesn't determine who God is. God determines who creation is. You don't determine who God is. He determines who you are. That's right. Amen. That's right. Speaking of tithe, 
You know, that's why Abram tithed to God. Because tithe is not a response from something that you have. It's a response to something that God gave. Yes. It's a gratuity. What happens? Melchizedek shows up to Abram in heaven. In heaven, if you, if, in heaven, if they had a conversation about Abraham, there would be nobody in heaven that was known as Abram. Right. Well, have you heard about Abram? What are you talking about? Oh, 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 Abraham? Yeah. You see, Abram didn't know he was Abraham. That's right. In heaven, he was always known as Abraham. I wonder what you're known of. What are you known as in heaven? All your life you've known yourself as Jacob or you've known yourself as Abram, but in heaven they've never known you by that name. So your future is not determined by your earthly name. Your future is determined by your heavenly name. So if the one who possesses your heavenly name shows up and gives you a little bread and a little wine, gives you a little inward testimony, a little outward testimony, yeah, I mean, if you want to know the difference, okay, eat some inward bread, and we'll see what happens to your body. Eat a lot of bread. Okay, what happens? Okay. Now, drink a lot of wine, what happens? One's an internal testimony, the other's an external testimony. That's right. The word makes you strong. Okay, the spirit will make you bold, powerful, expressive. You need both. You need both. Okay, so Melchizedek shows up to Abram and gives him bread and wine. Where did Melchizedek get that bread and wine? It came from heaven. So Abram, he, I'm just going to paraphrase. This is in the Hanson translation. You rascal, you God, I know what you did. You just gave me a gratuity of what you got. And so he grabbed a gratuity of what he had, not because he wanted God to bless the 90% that was left, but because he was communicating to Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, that I realized that's just a tip of what you've got. And you have 100% of what I need to be who I really am. So I'm going to give you a little gratuity of what I've got. Not so you'll bless my 90%. That 90%, that isn't enough. Yeah. 90% I got, that's not enough to make me who I really am. You've got 100% of what I need to be who I really am. So I'm simply giving you a gratuity to tell you, God, I'm responding to you. I'm not giving you anything. I'm responding to you to say, I want all of it. You know, tithe is just like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's where Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, proves that you got a right relationship and peace. He gives you a little tip. He gives you a little gratuity. The unction of the Spirit begins to spill out of you. And so what do you do? Oh, I respond. What is that? That's just a little piece of my nothing responding to his something, saying, I want 100% of that, sir. That's really good. I want all of your spirit. My first word was scoff many years ago. That was a hit. Just a scoff. I'm drunk on the word scoff. God is good. See? So you spill over. We got on that. The old covenant. I'm trying to get to the new covenant. The old covenant was information. Make me smart. But God didn't want that. So, Jeremiah. 31. So when we, we pray for you guys today, and this is for also all. Behold, the days are coming. Verse 31 says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Israel means you're the inheritor. Judah means you're his praise. It's not limited to a people in the Middle East. It's everybody being both Israel, inheritor, friends with God, and Judah, the testimony of God, the praise of God. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Egypt is darkness. Took them by the hand to lead them out of darkness. My covenant which they broke. Why? Because that's not a keepable covenant. 
being led by your hand is not a covenant that can be kept. You have to be led by your hurt. You don't have a what-to problem. You have a want-to problem. And you always do what you want to do. Because you're meant to be good at what you want to do. So God doesn't want to imprison you with a law that says you need to do this. He doesn't want you to be fake. He wants you to be transformed. He wants you to be real. He doesn't want anybody to take you by the hand and lead you ever again. I'm going to explain it. Okay, that doesn't mean that leadership or people in authority in your life don't give instructions to you that you should listen to. It means when they give those instructions, you have a responsibility to go to God to get the desire to follow those instructions. Amen. You have to hear God. Amen. What? I can't just hear my pastor? No, you got to hear God. That's right. So, Sim, Nick, you don't hear God for anybody. You don't take anybody by the hand and lead them. No, you empower them to be empowered from within. And that new covenant is where he writes his law. He writes his character, his nature, his ways, powers, authority on the hearts and minds of those that he has come to. This is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I'll put my law. That's not Ten Commandments. That's all of his character, his nature, his way. That's Torah. That's it's the testimony of who he is in us, in our minds, in our hearts. And I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. You're not anointed to teach people to know the Lord. You're anointed to activate them to know the Lord. You're anointed to know the Lord yourself. And then release that anointing so that each one knows God. He says, I'll forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So we're anointed not to lead people by the hand, but we're anointed to connect people to God in their hearts. It's not a word when it comes from the outside in. It's only a word when it comes from the inside out. Okay, I'm speaking to you today. The only thing you're going to remember is what happened in your heart. Because I'm not your teacher. And by the way, you don't need a teacher that's an information teacher. The Bible by itself is an information teacher. It will conform you. It will control you. It will restrain you. It will contain you. But it will not transform you. But when you allow a personal relationship with God in your heart to come, then everything that is written in that shadow become something that your life can cast a shadow of. Your teacher is not the Bible. Your teacher is Holy Spirit. Now, he's not going to contradict his character, nature, way, power, and authority that's revealed in the Bible. Now, the Bible, the Bible is perfect. It's our understanding of it. It's not. Right. Exactly. Now, that doesn't mean we go looking for loopholes and Trying to get out of stuff by saying, oh, yeah, well, okay, well, that didn't really mean that. You know, don't let philosophy be your teacher. Let Holy Spirit be your teacher. All right, so lead as new covenant leaders. Don't lead as old covenant leaders. Follow as new covenant followers. Don't follow as old covenant followers. Don't expect pastors to take you by the hand and lead you. Someone comes to you and they want you to take them by the hand and lead them, resist it. What do I do? Pastor, what do I do? Well, I don't know. What do you hear God say? I mean, I think the first question you asked me, or a question a long time ago, was should I do something? And I said, well, I don't know. What do you think? Did I say something like that? Because I don't hear God the branch. Yeah. So 
Now, we lead for obedience to the faith. We live for obedience to the faith. Romans chapter 16, I'm almost done here. To him who is able to establish you, 1625, to him who is able to establish you in my gospel, my good news, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. I like to translate the word gospel. The word gospel is not a translated word. It's a transliterated word. That means when they translated the word from Greek into Latin or English or German or whatever they did, they, they wanted to create a word from the Greek word that would allow them to define the word instead of the word defining them. You're smart enough to know the difference between good news and bad news. So if they would have translated simply the good news, you're probably smart enough to recognize that it's bad news. But they translated it gospel so they could tell you bad news and pretend it's good news. News like, damn you, you're condemned. God hates you. God's angry with you. That's not good news. And by the way, Jesus didn't come just so that you'd go to heaven when you die. He came so that you'd get heaven in you right now. You'd get a relationship with God as your father. You'd get a relationship with Jesus the Son. Fellowshipping the Holy Spirit. It works on a good day. works on a bad day. works on a hot day. works on a rainy day. But it, works, it works on every day. It's eternal life. You don't want to die without eternal life. Be like Princess and the Bride. How dead are you? Like, I mean, you're really dead. But if you die with eternal life, you're not really dead. So whatever you do, don't die dead. Second, whatever you do, don't live dead. Live in a relationship with not just life. Live in a relationship with eternal life. God your Father, Jesus the Son, that's made possible by the Holy Spirit. Live that way and everything's going to be all right. There'll be plenty of things to overcome, but guess what? You'll overcome them. So, he says in Romans 16, he says, The good news which was preached of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now it's made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone, wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Obedience to faith is not obedience to a belief system. Obedience to the faith is obedient to God's voice in your heart. Faith comes by hearing God. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is natural sight. We walk by faith not by sight. And natural sight can promote fear. Natural sight can promote doubt. So fear and doubt are the fruit of natural sight. But when you live according to the voice of God in your heart, then you can overcome fear. You can overcome doubt because the, the, the this sight of faith, faith comes by hearing God, hearing God in your heart. And how does it work? It works through love. So faith works through love. How does faith not work? Yeah, bingo. When you don't know God loves you, it's hard to hear him. Newsflash, he loves you. On your worst day, ha, loves you. Praise God. Amen. Hey, if we can get enough sunshine, you'll get a few more flowers. I, I think I've told you about flowers down here before. Flower, you know, you pull the petals. Okay, New Covenant flowers sound like this. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. No, not a love me, love me not flower. That's old covenant flower. No, there is none of those down here. We got he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Matter of fact, you should do that. Just grab your flower this week. No, don't don't hey. Get you a flower. There's lots of them. God's an extravagant God. He puts the heat on high and then throws clouds in between us and then, oh, man, what an inefficient God. 
He, he, he's got flowers. There's tons of flowers. So many flowers. I got rabbits eating them. That's just tons of flowers. Just grab one this week and take a flower and, and walk outside by yourself and do this. You love me. Don't even use the pronoun he. Say, you love me. You love me. <laughs> you love me, don't you? You really love me. Ah, you love me. You love me. You love me. You really love me. Okay. What really helps me with this revelation is I got grandkids. I got a grandpa revelation. My two-year-old granddaughter, she's got one revelation. She was born to be loved by Gopa, grandpa. Right now, she's my greatest proponent. I've got books that I've written. She always carries two of my books around with my pictures on the back. And she'll ask you, if she comes to you and say, do you have a Gopa book? That's what she'll say. Oh. I know she's always carrying, she's in love with Gopa right now. So, but The reason she's in love with Gopa is because she's got a revelation. She was born to be loved by me. I'm not like her parents. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to fix her. God gives kids to young people. That means he gives kids to people who don't know what they're doing. Because then he knows they'll have to find him to figure out what they're doing. But then once you figure that out, what he does is he gives grandkids to people who know what they're doing. So that they can stop knowing what they're doing and become a kid again. That's it. That's what grandparents are, an antique. Antique oh, kids, that's what grandpa is, an oh, antique boy, God. grandma's an antique little girl. Yeah, so, obedience to the faith. So we're going to lay hands on, on Nick and Tim. And what we're saying is we're recognizing what God is doing in them. And as we lay hands on them, we're, we're also saying to this church, to everyone's church, to everyone in everyone's church, we're saying we're all coming to another level. We have an anointing on us that is allowing us to help people be planted in a relationship with God, us and our children, our children's children, to be planted in a relationship with God that is multi-generational and it restores identity, testimony, and purpose in Christ. It fulfills the will of God and it's not a place where anybody hears God for us, but it's a place where we each hear God it's a place where we're no longer taken by the hand and led. We're taken by the heart and led. We're inspired by thoughts and uh, desires and thoughts within us. And we're able to, each one of us, be obedient through faith. Amen. Amen.